Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Options Trading for Income for January 23rd, 2023, episode 916. This is our quarterly open house. I hope that everybody who's joining us uh, enjoys this special session. Just so you realize, 916 episodes, that's 916 weeks of Options Trading for Open House. We've been doing this for a very long time. It's been very effective at producing lots of great traders. So glad that you're here with us. Quickly go over our disclaimer material, let you know the presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors, we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that risk of trading options is substantial, and please make sure you're aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Uh, also note that in this presentation, we are covering hypothetical computer simulated trades and the results. It really is accurately represented as possible. Keep in mind, live results can vary significantly from similar results for many different reasons. Okay, so let's just quickly talk about options trading for income. We have something within our Go membership called the Trader Success Blueprint. And I won't bother going through all these at this point, but it's a, it's a process that we suggest to help you become a profitable, adaptable trader in the marketplace. It's an extremely effective process. We have stages one through five, stage one being beginner, stage two, building self-discipline and integrity, stage three, strengthening that self-discipline and building foundational skills. Stage four gets into diversifying your trading and starting to prepare to become subjective with your trades so that you can increase your consistency and returns. And stage five is full-on um, pro level type of trading, which we cover that stuff in the pro membership. And those of you who are pro members, you'll realize that the pro meetings are very different than the go meetings. So we're much more focused on making money consistently in those meetings. In these meetings here, we're focused on stage three, stage four type of trades, um, giving you the information you need for stage one and stage two at the same time, but we're highly focused stage three to stage four. Um, on this, which is we're covering a multiple different trading strategies non-subjectively, and we're discussing um, where certain types of entries, exits, adjustments, um, and different techniques are benefit in different types of environments, different types of situations. But uh, ultimately, when we're covering the strategies themselves, we're pretty much following the guidelines here. So uh, lots of great information here. And again, you've come to the right place if you want to up level your trading. So uh, we're using 12 different trading strategies. We generally focus on four at any given time. These are color coded as according to their suggested stages. And um, uh, during this meeting, like I said, uh, we cover what's happened in the last week of the trading. For our members, if you want to see the entirety of the trade, then just go in and um, you can go into the past recordings. For our open house members or uh, anybody else, if you want to see a particular trade we're not covering, put that into the webinar chat. Or if you have any questions in general, throw that into the webinar chat and we'll do the best we can to answer them for you in the allotted time that we have. Okay, so for February, we're focused on the, a bear trade, a V32, an M3, and an unbalanced butterfly one. So we will show those to you. I'm probably going to go through almost everything because when we have uh, some extra time or we're not uh, overloaded with adjustments and on the various different trades and so forth, uh, a lot of times we'll bring in some other things. Certainly, if there's something interesting going on in one of the guidelines trades, we like to point that out. So let's move forward here. And I just want to quickly talk about what's going on in the membership right now uh, in the near future. Our trading performance meeting for our pro and performance members is going to be Wednesday, January 25th. This, this, this Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We have two coaching sessions. So one of the things that we're doing, just so our members know and everybody else, is uh, I'm offering public coaching sessions on the meetings for free for anybody, whether you're a member or not. Of course, our members get priority. But anybody who has a trading performance related challenge, they like to come in and they can talk with me one-on-one -on -one during the coaching meeting, maybe get some suggestions from other traders. It helps you because you get, I mean, free coaching. I get, I don't know what our number is, like $670 an hour to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one private. And you get to talk to me for, it's not going to be an hour, but it'll probably be 15 minutes to a half an hour for free on your specific issue. And not only do you get to help yourself, you get to help a lot of other traders too, because if you're having a challenge, chances are somebody else is having a challenge. And um, we have some people coming on on, um, on Wednesday, which is gonna be exciting. So that's what these meetings are intended for. 
to get these types of developmental things uh, under your belt. Market outlook is Mondays. We're planning at 8.30 next week. Our next trading with the pros meetings are scheduled for February 1st and 16th. Our next Go Ask a Trader session is scheduled for February 8th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And as far as we have going all over here, uh, well, we had a January M3, which closed profitable last week. We'll show you that. We have a February bull trade that is uh, was closed profitable. We have a Super Bowl. It's still going for February. We have February reverse butterfly is still open. February version 17 and February version 22. And for new entry focus positions for January, we have a March bull, March M3.4, U February rock, and X4 version 14, which everything is entered as of last week. We'll show you the entries on that. And... That's what I have. Again, anybody questions, comments, feel free to throw it into the chat. And from here, let's just start taking a look at the positions that we have and what's happened over the last week. So this is our bull trade. And our bull trade is a $7,500 planned capital trade with a $2,500 exit loss trigger. Of course, you could do it with a one lot and everything would be one-tenth the size. As of right now, this... Um, was entered 50, 65 days to expiration. It's exited when April's expiration cycle, 65 days to expiration, unless we stop out. Um, currently, this is up about $530, and it looks like it's doing fine. Of course, this no adjustments in this particular strategy. It's very simple. Um, but this is what um, where we stand with that position. So let's just move on to February bearish butterfly here. We had a shortened week, so we'll start with Tuesday. So our February bearish butterfly looked like this as of Tuesday. So let me get the strikes here. We're in a situation where we entered the market and we had a very substantial up move in the Russell. Uh, I talked about not liking this trade so much usually after we've had all these rolls because it puts you in a situation where you are vulnerable to a big down move and you're also vulnerable to a big up move. Essentially, the market has to tend to stall in a, in a range. Now, the good part about this is the market usually does behave that way. Normally, we get if we get a big up move, normally we pull back off of that up move, which is good because we maintain our negative delta, but that pullback is usually relatively light, and a lot of times we'll run sideways for a little bit towards the end of the trade. So typically, it works out. We'll see how this one in particular ends up working out, but this is where we stand as of this time. We're down 2800 This is a $50,000 planned capital trade with a $15,000 drawdown, so this drawdown is, is not even really a remotely a concern at this point. And let's just go through the week here. So we end up getting a down move here, down move Thursday. We did not quite get to the point where we would kick out of this to the uh, to the downside. So what happens to the downside here is uh, when we get outside of our tent area and we get positive a certain amount of delta, we're going to start removing our upper contracts. And that did not happen here. So no adjustment there for Thursday. And then Friday, we end up here. Uh, we're down about $1,000. This actually looks okay. The market's starting to coil into a, a settled range, though so that'll work out nice for us if uh, that plays out that way. But that's what we had on Bearish Butterfly. There were no adjustments. Let me go over and I'm just going to talk about the bear trade for a minute. A lot of traders ask me, or well, I'm asked a lot about the bear trade. Isn't that the same as the bearish butterfly? And the answer is no. We treat this trade quite a bit differently, especially when certain things play out. So this is our bear trade on the same day. You'll notice that on the bear trade, we are positioned substantially behind. This is a smaller size. This is a $5,000 planned capital trade with a $5,000 drawdown. We're drawn not even a third of our planned capital, so that's not an issue. Um, we do the same type of entry. We do the same type of roll process, but that roll process is stopped under different conditions. Okay, so 
that being the case, we had to stop rolling this when we got up into this area. Now, we're allowed to make further rolls. So when we look at the T-log on this trade here, we were at, um, we had a 1740 reference point. We did our plus 40 add, our plus 60 add, our 70, 80, and 90 rolls. And that's as far as we can go unless our profits um, profit and loss is drawn down less than $250. If it's, we're drawn down more than $250, we stop. And we wait until we're over $250. Now, this plus 90 roll was at 1930. Uh, I should say 1830. Asset price, 1830. And this this should be um, eighteen thirty also uh, eighteen forty I mean so eighteen thirty and we're kind of stalled as far as rolling goes once the asset hits eighteen thirty unless the drawdown becomes reasonable at which point if the drawdown becomes reasonable and we're over eighteen forty then we can start to roll again <clears throat> so what happens here is we get the pullback here on Wednesday, and our drawdown gets to minus 161. Right, this is taking advantage of the back and forth of the market. So this allows us to make a roll here. Now, when I roll from 1800 to 18, I can roll to 1860. I also have a short strike issue where I can't roll over. In other words, we're at 1858. So technically. From a price point standpoint, we can make an 1840 roll. We can make an 1850 roll. So we're going to make the 1840 roll here. That's taking the 1800s and moving to 1860. But I cannot make another roll according to my guidelines until we're up over 1860. I think it's 1862 um, on the bear trade. It would be 1865 on the bearish butterfly. But it's a little faster on the on the, on the bear trade. So um, Friday, I could actually probably make a roll here. But this is um, this is what I'm allowed. Let's go to Thursday here. We pull back a little bit more. We're up about eighty-one dollars, and then Friday we take off to the upside, and we're at eighteen sixty-two, and that allows us to make one more additional roll now. If we're down, drawn down less than five hundred, we are. Or I draw down less than 250 in the R. So um, we go minus one. So this is going to be allowed this day. And minus one. And this allows us to go here. To make this roll. And then that was our roll for 1850. I want to mark that on my trading log so that I know that I don't make another roll unless we're over 1860. I can't make the 1860 roll though because until we're at 1882. So we're pretty much locked into this position in the upside until we get over 1882 in the asset. Um, let me commit this. And this is the 1850 roll. Here, notice there's there's stops to keep us from getting too far ahead of the market. It's very rare that the bear trade is going to have any type of a really huge downside issue uh, in the marketplace because we're in much better condition usually if we get a big down move in a bear trade than in the uh, in the bearish butterfly trade. That's a dynamic that allows the bearish butterfly trade to perform well in uptrending markets, and that dynamic is going to hurt the bear trade in strongly uptrending markets. But this is where we stand now. And again, $5,000, a $1,500 drawdown. This is not an issue. That's only a very small percentage of that. So that's where the bear trade stands. I want to show you our M3 and where that's standing right now. Let's go back to Tuesday here. So this is what our M3 looks like <clears throat> coming into Monday. Notice that we're really tight in the wings. We're going to see this more often. So um, after COVID, we saw our wings were always 50 points, almost always. Very rarely did they cut back down. Cut down. Um, here, 
we have that downside risk parameter where we're not allowing, you know, in case the market falls apart and we goes down a hundred points in one day, we're not allowing, and we're near expiration, we're not allowing this to take a fifty thousand dollar loss, for example. We're we're keeping our total risk in the position cut down. So if we get an eight percent move, we are only risking um, less than ten thousand uh, dollars, less than ten thousand dollars for that kind of move. In order to control that, we're cutting our wing size down by rolling our longs up on the low side. And then when we do that, we also have to do a comparative move here to the upside, keeping the wings approximately the same so we don't take on too much upside risk. So this is my point being is we're in this and we're only, even though it's a $50,000 point capital trade at this size, we're only in this for about nine or $10,000, which is pretty common. Um, but with three days expiration and we end up having this, uh, we didn't move here but what happens is this T plus zero line is moving very quickly because we're coming into expiration and it changes a lot from day to day. So what ended up happening is we went from, we have a minus 15 Delta limit on this and um, we end up having to go make an adjustment here because we're minus 51. So the adjustment I ended up making is I have to either bring the call deeper in the money or take this short strike higher. When I do that, that creates a situation where if I get an 8% down move, I'm more than $10,000. So if I just randomly did this here, just for an example, now I take my 8% down move, which is going to be back in here somewhere. It's more than $10,000. I can't make that move. It puts too much risk coming into expiration with my trade. So to control that risk coming into expiration, and again, this can be applied to your weekly trades, right? To control this, I roll that up. That makes me, I have to do a minimum to here. Um, and then I can, now I'm still a little bit delta, a little bit still too negative. So I can take that call. I can put that deeper in the money. The call, by the way, is placed right here. It's just canceling out one of my negatives. So the end result of an adjustment is going to look something like this. I only have $4,000 on the line if everything blows apart which is one of the things I love about this strategy. I can still make my $5,000 profit target if I have a calm day the next day. And of course, my upside isn't too much of a problem. Of course, those of us who are at stage four and stage five realize that if we're getting this grind up situation in the uh, in an M3 close to expiration, we're normally going to either lock it down, do the lockdown technique, or we're going to convert it into, into like an M3U or something like that. Right, because we know that's the vulnerability of the strategy. Um, I'm going to ignore trades and go into the next day because this had to be exited. So what happened Wednesday is we ended up getting this big down move in the Russell. We ended up being over our positive delta limit, and we're over our short strike. So usually we were not going to roll this back, but I could roll it back. If I did do the rollback and I try to set this up. I cannot get into a situation. It doesn't allow me a situation where I can get into the trade and I can stay within my risk limits and keep an M3 configuration. Basically, from a positional standpoint, it has to be exited. In other words, I can't go into my standard M3 configuration and be within my guidelines. It's not, it, 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 within reason, it's not possible. So that being the case, we're going to exit this out and we're going to close this at a profit of right around three thousand dollars, because we can't we can't maintain we can't maintain our our normal parameters in the trade, and that's what you should do too when you when you get into a trading strategy and you're if you're a guidelines trader and you don't understand how to deal with it, and you're just looking at it and you can't make the trade stay within guidelines reasonably with any type of adjustments, then you just exit the trade and you move on. So that was exited there. Our February M3 looked like this. Okay, um, there was no adjustment here. We're in at, at 20 contracts, so we don't uh, we don't roll back at short strikes with 20 contracts. Um, if we go to th Thursday, we go to Thursday here. Then what ended up happening is we got a down move and 
I want to point this out, right? Because what happens here is I get a down move. My delta is fine, but I've I've exceeded the risk parameters of this trade. I'm only allowed, right? I'm 29 days to expiration. I'm only allowed a drawdown of um, $10,000 with an 8% move. I end up exceeding that with the move at 1837. I don't know the exact numbers. I'd have to do the math again. But if you do the math at 8% down move, 1837, it puts the, the projected drawdown of the trade under $10,000. So that's a violation of downside risk parameters. So that being the case, I need to reduce my trading, my, my size here to get rid of that downside risk parameter. I mean, I could do other things, right? There's other things you could do. I could move the call into a lower delta and other stuff like that. But we're not doing that. We're, we, we're keeping this simplistic. And we're saying, okay, the way this is, our, our procedure that we're going to deal with this is we're going to drop our trade size. If we drop our trade size to our standard 10 contract number, then under the guidelines, when we have our standard 10 contract number, it's going to trigger a rollback because we're behind the shorts. So either way, this is going to trigger a rollback. So we're going to have to close this position and we're going to roll it back to standard entry position. And when I do that, I'm a lot, I can put this, when I go back to standard entry position with a rollback, I can go up to 20 contracts. So I'm going to do that. Uh, and then Friday, we get our up move on Friday. And as of right now, we're up $400. We're within Delta guidelines to the upside. We're within our upside price point adjustment and our downside risk will be fine. So this is where this trade stands. Again, if we get any kind of down pressure on this, we're going to have to drop size because we're going to be hitting the implied volatility skew curve. And um, the vertical skew curve right now is to the point where we're going to start running into um, capital, uh, not capital problems, but um, downside risk problems if we, this starts to push us to the downside. And we'll end up dropping the 10 contracts probably if that happens. So that's what we have there on our February M3. So I have a question that says, bear trade, all the strikes were on the put side for the bearish butterfly. We got to check while you were showing it. Are all the strikes on the put side or call, or is it a call put like before due to skew and ONE and how ONE is programmed? Yeah, so um, on, the, on the bearish butterfly, we're using iron butterflies. Um, we're doing that because of the modeling software, not because, you know, so everybody should understand that call butterfly, put butterfly, iron butterfly, or the same strikes, they're all synthetically the same position. It doesn't matter which one you use. Execution's not going to make a difference. I know people think that it will, and some people believe that it will. And if you believe that you can execute a call butterfly better than a put butterfly or an iron butterfly better than a put butterfly or whatever, then fine, go with your belief system. I can tell you that it doesn't make a difference, but if you believe it does, I'm not going to argue with you. Just go with whatever you want. It doesn't matter. This is synthetically the same position, right? You're, we're arguing about something that makes absolutely no relevant difference. Um, regarding the modeling software, the modeling software is going to project different Greeks from a put call and iron butterfly standpoint. It's a deficiency within the modeling software. So um, that being the case, our most realistic accurate is generally going to be from an iron butterfly because we have strikes within our positions from calls and put both calls and puts. So that tends to average out the differences between call butterflies and put butterflies, right? So we're going to do that on the bearish butterfly because our bearish butterfly actually has Greeks numbers. In other words, we're, we're relying on, or we're using, we're using, um, Delta, for example, as an adjustment trigger. Commonly, we're using delta theta ratios as adjustment triggers on the bearish butterfly when implied volatility gets low. Um, that being the case, we're doing it in irons because irons is going to be generally most represent, rep, representative of what's going on. If I model a put butterfly, I'm going to get different Greeks numbers. I'll have a just different adjustment points. Not necessarily a problem, but the way we chose to deal with this when we converted from ONE so, uh, option view software to ONE was to just go into the irons. That's, that's what we decided. It's going to be most, most closely emulate what option view may have said. So um, it doesn't, it's not the same, but it's close, it's closer. So we end up doing with the irons. The bear trade um, in the program 
and the bear program and the fit program um, does use iron butterflies also, but realistically that one really makes no difference. Iron butterfly, put butterfly, call butterfly, because we really don't use Delta within our adjustment parameters. Our adjustment parameters on a bear trades are all price points. So it doesn't really matter what the Delta tells you. So, um, you know, that being the case, we're just using, it helps differentiate. It helps me when I'm doing the positions have one put and one iron because it helps me understand or, or more easily know what trade I'm actually dealing with when I'm actually adjusting it and so forth. So it's just a, a mental crutch for me, but um, we're using the irons on the, on the bearish butterfly in the options trade for income. And we're using the puts in the um, bear trade. Okay. All right. So that's what we have here. And that is, um, that's that trade there. So I'm going to jump into M3.4U, which uh, we'll show you what we had on there. And I'm going to go back to Thursday. Mm, let me ignore trades. So this is what we had on for M3.4U for January, hold on. This is where we stood with that trade for January. This is a, for everybody who doesn't know, this is a position that we're trading or we're giving an example here at $5,000 plant capital. Um, and it does not have a profit target, but this is, uh, we do have an exit loss trigger of $500 on this strategy. They're entered 56 days to expiration. We run them right into expiration. And this is where we stood here um, on expiration day, essentially. They expire overnight. So uh, this would have expired here at a profit of about $995 on, uh, on the asset for our January cycle. And there were no adjustments for the week, but this is how that position ended up. Almost a 20% gain, which is fantastic. And if we go to Tuesday, this is what we look like on Tuesday. I'm going to go to our February position, which is here. This is what that position looked like on here, right? So we have overlapping trades. Again, $5,000 play in capital, um, $500 exit loss trigger, no profit target is what we're running this. And we pretty much run almost everything into expiration unless we stop out or if it just doesn't make sense at all to be in the position. But um, that's um, that's what that looks like on Tuesday. This is what we look like on the pull down on Wednesday. We have a four delta trigger for a down adjustment. It doesn't hit it there. Uh, we do not hit our four delta number here. And then Friday, we have our up move and the position's up 330 as of uh, $330 as of Friday here. And with 28 days to expiration, no adjustments for the week. We have an entry for M3.4U for March, which is going to look like this. So we're going to come in here. We're going to put our shorts about 20 points under the money. We're going to do a 60-point lower wing. We're going to look at a 40-point upper wing. If we do that, we end up being at a 5 delta that's outside the adjustment parameters of the strategy. So we're going to start rolling out our upper longs. for That's our delta correction strategy on entry <clears throat> on this position. We roll up our long and, and we are at 2.97. That's a little bit higher than I tend to like it, but it is within guidelines. So, um, you know, if we were at like three and a half, I would go to the next level and run up into here. But, um, and that's neutral delta. But this is the standard adjustment technique for this, or the standard entry would be to, uh, if we're going completely non subjective, it's going to be about three delta positive on this particular case on our entry. And that's what we look like on our M3.4U entry for March. Okay. Uh, while we're here, we also had bearish butterfly entry. I should probably, I could probably just show you those quickly, which is going to look like this. Standard bearish butterfly entry. And then we're going to have a M3 entry also. 
which is going to look like this 20 contracts end up with a 50 delta call we're starting to get to the point now where we're going to have to start cutting the number of contracts and as implied volatility starts to normalize we'll be starting to enter with 10 contracts again here as of right now it's still freakishly high from a historical standpoint but um uh, our implied volatility skew curve is very flat from a historical skew point, but they're starting to normalize out. Um, this is what we have here uh, for entry. And that's, I think that's all caught back up to where it should be. Uh, I'm going to skip over the rock trade unless somebody wants to do that. That's, well, I, we can look at it. Let's see. This is going to be a similar to an M3, but we have different. Um, downside risk parameters, but um, let's so with the rock trade, we're actually because we have a higher profit target, we're allowing more risk to the downside. If we get a big down, we're we're allowing uh, to a twenty thousand dollar drawdown with that eight percent move. And these types of things, and this is the observations you want to make, these strategies look the same to, like, I, I have I have people come in to me all the time. Isn't the M3, the bearish butterfly, and the rock, aren't they all the same trade? And the bear trade, aren't they all the same trade? And it's like, well, no, there's distinct differences within the trade trading strategies. And your job as a trader, and part of the benefit of the Go membership, and observing these over time, through different types of market conditions is starting to understand the differences between the strategies. Cause if you don't know the differences between, you know, an M3 and a rock or, or whatever, or a bearish butterfly and a bear, if you don't understand those differences, you don't, you're not, you don't really have the education level where you should be going out and trying to trade full time and make money and that type of stuff. You should be very aware of what those differences are and what the consequences of those differences are. Because regardless of what strategy you trade, these differences are going to make, um, you know, sometimes it's better to apply depending on the situation. And this is where we start to get in pro membership when is understanding the situation. But depending on the situation, it's going to be better to do different types of entries, different types of adjustments, different types of exit strategies, depending on what's going on in the background. And part of your education as a market neutral trader is, or a positive theta trader is, is, is to understand those differences. That's the only way you're going to gain your consistency. And the only way you're going to be reliably, reliably able to be reliably create an income through trading over a long period of time is if you understand these differences and and, under, and then understand the situation, which is what we get to in stage four and five, start to understand the situational context and know when to apply things and when not to apply things. That's where the where the um, where that comes in. Okay, but anyway, here's what we ended up being positioned in our rock trade. We had a of course, a delta situation here, um, minus 15 being our adjustment point. We ended up having to cut size down because we were actually exceeding the $20,000 number. So we cut a small wing, but we're bigger than the M3 on this particular day. That's what we look like there. I'm going to ignore this because I had to exit. No, I didn't have to exit this, but I had to adjust it Wednesday, I think. We The Wednesday down move. This is an exit signal in the rock trade from the context that um we generally don't overlap the rock trade and um it's now 30 days to expiration on our monthly cycle and from that context we would generally be interested in exiting this trade anyway now you could really do either being a stage four trade you could you could stay in or you could um or you could uh exit the trade here uh, depending on whether you want to deal with the overlap. Now, there are situations where you may not have the capital to over deal with the overlap, but in this case, we really do. We'd have to make an adjustment to the downside, and I'll show you how I would adjust that. And that would be basically into this. We want to come into M3 point, uh, M3U configuration here or a broken wing butterfly configuration. We don't want to stay in the butterfly call configuration because that takes a lot of risk on both sides. So what I end up doing is end up rolling back as you would on a standard thing, right? So we're, we're 1858, that puts our short strikes at uh, 1840. If I run with a 50 point wing and 
um, and I do my normal adjustment strategy on this, it doesn't, you don't come up with anything that looks good. So the best thing you can do is you go in and you do your 50 point wing here and you do your 50 point wing here. In other words, you set up what we call a, a, a base position and then you modify your base position to get something that's acceptable for you. So here I have to bring in my lower long. So if I have a base position, it's gonna look like this. And then minus six, minus four. Minus four, and then um, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Right, this is our base position in green. You can see we have a ton of, we have $23,000 just in the butterfly. We have a ton of delta. To correct that delta, we'd have to roll up our short strikes, and then we'd have to add a 100 delta call. If we do that, our downside risk side is going to be, whether our 8% move is going to be insanely more than $20,000. Um, generally, I don't want to be in a butterfly call position when I'm like this anyway, because I'm two days to expiration and I take on risk from both sides. I can correct that multiple ways and virginia's just saying what about moving the shorts rather than the longs to get a wider tent you can do that um that's not within kind of our standard operating procedure for this particular trade and there's benefits and drawbacks to doing that but i i mean i could certainly take this long strike uh the, i mean i could fix this this is going to get complex i guess but uh well let's just ignore this for a minute here no, I can't do that. I can start new trade. All right, so I can come in here, for example, and I can take my base position, which is gonna be here. Let's see, we're 1840 short strikes, right? So 1840 short strikes. This is my base position. I could take my base position and I can reduce my downside risk by moving my shorts down. And I can reduce my upside risk by moving my shorts up. Um, and I could, I could do that. Okay. Um, I still have a lot of downside risk but it's within parameters so that's fine but now i now i have an issue though where i am minus 57 delta i'm still too high so what do i do here um if i was going to stay with the general m3 rock type of concept thing then i would reduce my contract size here i would bring this down to maybe minus seven plus seven let's just see what that does to us still too high. So I'd probably have to be maybe minus five plus five. Okay, that brings me barely within parameters. I actually have to go down to maybe three. I'm almost being a bullish vertical here if uh, minus three plus three, because what's gonna happen now, well, I'm still okay, but I have a tremendous amount of downside risk in that, in that scenario. I mean, in comparison. Right? That's not a tremendous amount that's within trade parameters. In other words, I could take that total loss here and um, make that up in one cycle if I have a good trade. So uh, it's not irresponsible and I could, I, I could run that out. That is a possibility. Um, I could do that. That's the more risky method. What I end up doing instead, and you could do a combination, a different combination. You could keep, you could roll up so there's a multiple combinations you can do. They all have advantages and disadvantages, by the way. But I could also 1840 this, right? I could do this combination of cutting my downside risk by rolling up and cutting my upside risk by rolling up. That, I, I guess that's a little bit um, overkill, right? So minus five. And uh, minus five. And that puts us, in this case, that puts us neutral. And this this also does, does the job and it technically puts us in parameters. Uh, again, I have a lot of 
it gives me risk in both directions. So I'm looking at how many scenarios. So one of the things, again, if I'm non-subjective, okay, if I'm subjective, it's a different story, right? I'm analyzing the situation and I'm making an intelligent choice based on the probabilities of what the market is likely or not likely to do the next day. Okay. Um, if I'm non-subjective, then I'm trying to put myself in a position where the least amount of things is going to hurt me. And if you compare this, for example, to which, which you can do, I mean, that's fine. Um, and you compare this to how we actually, what we actually ended up doing by rolling in the longs and on both sides, we're still neutral Delta. Our downside risk is less. Um, we don't have a issue or, or, or potential for a loss to the upside. We're going to lose some profits, right? So, I mean, people tell you they put you in no-risk positions. That's not really true. You're in a position where you can lose a lot of profit. You're just not going to be negative for the trade. Also, going, quote-unquote, no-risk, which some people tell you, by going no-risk, you're giving up something, too. You're giving up the potential to make a lot more profit. If you stay in a bigger size, you can make a lot more profit than if you you, you risk down your, your wings. But, you know, regardless, you're going to decide what to do here as a trader. Um, this I like this because it puts me in a situation where I'm not going to take a loss on the trade to the upside or my downside is very low. I have the potential if we back in a little bit to maybe make some good money here. Um, and then my downside risk is probably less than either of those scenarios, although, although I have more room if I move the shorts. Right. Um, in this case here, if I do this and I did this for the example and I stay overnight, I'm going to ignore trades. If I stay in uh, overnight here Thursday, what ends up happening is the market ends up pulling back. And when I look at my checkpoint time, whoops, shoot. When I look at my checkpoint time, I'm up $4,400. Okay. So that ends up doing that. Yeah. And I could cut size to reduce risk if I wanted to, too. Right. So that's also a possibility. I can cut my size down. There's one of the things I've, I've always said, go back over and over again, there's a thousand and one ways to do the same thing. We can move shorts, we can move longs, essentially the same thing. We can cut size. Um, we can pull one wing off. We can move a wing up. We can move a wing down. Uh, a lot of times, any of those things are going to reduce, produce the same thing. They're all going to have slightly different dynamics to them, but they'll produce a similar thing. So your, your thing as a trader is to, if you clearly define what you want, right? Where am I willing, under what conditions am I willing to win? Under what conditions am I willing to lose? Under what conditions? You know, how much risk do I want to take in order to, to do that? If you if you set those parameters as a trader, you can come in and you understand your positions. You come in here and you can probably achieve that seven or eight different ways. And then you can, if you want, you can analyze those seven or different, eight different ways and see if which way best represents what you want based on where you're willing to win and where you're willing to lose. Where people go wrong is, is they get to the point where they say, um, um, I want to win no matter what. That's not possible, right? In other words, I want to make more money and have no risk of draw, drawing down from where I am no matter what. And that doesn't benefit you because there is no way to do that. And in trying to create that, you can create T plus zero lines that appear to do that, but they don't. You, all, you have implied volatility risks. You have all kinds of stuff going on. So you're always giving up something for the benefit of something else. And your objective here is understanding, you know, at some point when you're a beginner, you don't know that, but your goal should be working towards understanding the situation, understanding where is the best place to put my risk. And when, you, and, and, you know, being willing to lose, if should that risk be realized or lose profits or, like I said, you can set this. You can set these up where you may not be down money necessarily, but you're risking some sort of a of a gain that you already have, right? So you know, where am I willing to risk and for what? 
And once you understand that, then you can set your positioning up. This is the way I would set that positioning up if I was kind of staying within the rock M3 guideline constraints. And, um, you know, if that's my trade and, um, Positionally, if I'm non-subjective about the market, where the market's going to go, that's realistically how I would tend to set that up. Okay, so that is um, that's the rock trade. Uh, we also had an entry on the rock trade, so let's just look at that. So here, So this is rock trade entry. So notice, right? So if I'm I'm overlapping these trades, and they have both have fifty thousand dollar planned capital, but notice that I have ten thousand dollars in this position, about, and I have about fifteen thousand dollars in this position. Yeah, that's twenty five grand. So I can overlap these, and we do the same thing with the M three. So somebody says, "Well, you need a hundred thousand dollars to overlap an M three," and the reality is, no, you don't. Um, most of the time, if you're running two M3s at the same time, most of the time the combination of the two is under fifty thousand under fifty under fifty thousand dollars. And in the cases where it goes over fifty thousand dollars, normally you can use, like if you're in a pro membership or you've seen some of our programs, we can use capital control measures to keep the two in unison within that within that fifty thousand dollar limit easy enough for the period of time they happen to overlap. So, uh, so a lot of times you can do that. So you don't really need to make corrections within your mathematics uh, when you're determining profits and loss and so forth for that. But I do anyway. I treat them as if that's what's happening most of the time. But here you can trade these two both responsibly within that within that realm. Uh, anyway, this is what our entry is going to look like on our rock trade in February, and we'll see how that plays out as time goes along. UB1, SPX, UB1, this trade here is a $35,000 plant capital trade, and I do not believe we have a profit target on this. Um, max loss is $2,500 on the position. This is a time exit. So this is exited when the... Next trade is ready to be entered. So we enter this 56 days to expiration. We exit it when the next cycle is 56 days to expiration. That usually runs us about 28 days. It can it can vary a little bit, but um, it is now 56 days to expiration for March uh, monthly cycle. So here we are here. That triggers the exit. Again, there are benefits and drawbacks of doing a time exit, but it's one, again, with, with our strategies, we try to vary about anything you can think of between the strategies. And we do each strategy a little bit differently so you can see the pluses and minuses of doing certain things. Um, so here, I'm gonna close, close this trade out at a $1,644 profit. Commit this, this is plus 1644 because of our time exit. And then we want to enter our next cycle, which is in March. And the way we enter these is we're going to take our long strike. Again, this very varying entry techniques. A lot of times we enter our short strikes 17 to 27 points under the money. And then when we do that, we adjust our delta in different manners. Sometimes we add a call. Sometimes we move a long strike. Sometimes we move a short strike. Um, all pluses and minuses. This trade here, we're going to our nearest 10 point strike for our long strike, which is going to be uh, 3960. So 3960 is going to be our long strike. We are putting our long strike there, and then we're going down 40 points. One, two, three, four, hit minus 20. Go down 60, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so now we have a 60 if I'm right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nope, one more. So we have 60, 40 point wing. 
we have delta parameters on entry on this particular strategy. Our delta parameters are, well, um, I can't be more than uh, one delta per butterfly, so that's 10 delta. I can't be more than positive 10 delta, so how am I going to fix that? Well, I'm going to, I could do a call, right? There's different, I could add a put. A put would correct the delta. Moving these short strikes would correct the delta. Moving these long strikes up would correct the delta. You have to decide how you're going to do it. There's benefits and drawbacks to each of those types of things. But as a trader, you have to decide how you're going to do it. And, you know, as a non if you're non-subjective, realistically, it doesn't matter how you do it. Because regardless of how you do it, it's going to run through cycles of it's going to be beneficial to do it that way. And it'll run through cycles that it's going to be detrimental to do it that way. So being completely non-subjective, you're kind of at the whim of what happens to be going on in the marketplace. And being subjective, though, when you get to stage five, you're going to, right? And this is the benefit, even if you're even if you're pretty much non-subjective so far as price movement direction, you're, you're going to have an idea of what your situation's like. And depending on your general situation, you're going to want to do it you're going to favor doing this or correcting this delta one way or another. And it's going to be the same for your entry day or your entry positioning. It's going to be the same for your adjustment points. It's going to be the same for the way you exit the strategy. Depending on the situation, again, non-subjectively, we're just going to take one and we're going to hope it's the best one, the best one. But the reality is it's going to run through cycles. And um, if you understand the situation, you can apply the, the most favorable type of move or the most favorable type of position or the most favorable type of entry or exit um, based on the situation. And this is, again, where we'd like our traders to get. But this particular trade, we're correcting this this way. We're still over 11, so we're going to have to go here. And that's going to be our entry position for our UB1 trade coming into uh, coming in for our March cycle. So let me commit this trade. Whoops. This is going to be our 2023-03 UB1. All right, so that's that trade. February, March. Super Bowl. We are down money on that. So let's go here. This is what our Super Bowl looks like in our February expiration as of last Friday. Basically, we're at the point now where if this goes profitable at all, we're going to exit it and call it a break even or whatever. And we're going to let it play out. If the market continues to go down, we're going to take a loss here of about 11.52. Okay. So that's what that strategy, that's what's going on with that. And Moving forward, V14, quickly go over these. Um, our V14 for February looks like this. Uh, as of Friday, we're basically at break even. Uh, we were talking, this got hammered down with a really severe down move right after entry. So we got drawn down quite a bit, not to our, not, near, not really right next to our loss number, but probably three quarters of the way. And we talked about how this probably would not recover profitable. It'll probably be about break even. So it looks like that's probably what's playing out here. Um, we'll see. We might make something. This is exit. This is a time exit also. So um, this is when April when uh, April is 77 days to expiration. So April is 91 right now. So um, next week it's going to be 84, and then next it's going to be 77. So um, this is going to be exited in two weeks. It could it could still be profitable. It'll probably be mildly profitable. It looks like now that's how that's probably going to play out. Uh, but that's our V14. There were no adjustments to that. And then we have our V14 for March, which is here. It's up $1,360. Again, no adjustments last week. Um, this is, we're going to stay in this position until our, May trade is 77 days to expiration. So this has a long ways to go. Uh, I I would predict that this is probably going to hit our reduced profit target number. We're probably going to end up um, getting up $1,500 and having to make enough adjustment on it. And that's going to trigger an exit. So um, that's probably how that's going to play out. And then 
we have our V17, which had no adjustments during the week, but may have triggered something Friday. So let me look here. Uh, this is our February V17. It's very similar to our 14, but there are differences among these strategies. So um, they will perform differently at different times, but just happens to be that this particular cycle, they, this is where we stand. We're up uh, $19.95. It's probably gonna be mildly profitable for the cycle. And then we have our arch here, which is up $1,510. Looks like we may end up triggering up adjustment here. Unlike the V14, this does not have a um, reduced profit target. It doesn't have a profit target or a reduced profit target. So it's a different, it's, it, they still have the, both have the same time exit, but they don't have the same um, profit target exit criteria. And that creates different dynamics within the strategy. There are other dynamics that are different within the strategy also. You notice the entry is a little bit different. The adjustments are actually a little bit different, but um, they happen to look similar right now, but they do create substantial differences in different types of um, work, different types of environments where no one is better than the other universally, but you'll certainly find that that one technique is better than the other from a situational standpoint. So that is um, those trades. And then we have the V22s, which um, no adjustment on V22 till Friday, but let's look at Friday here. So this is our V22 for February. Again, we have the same exit in two weeks, got two more weeks before this exits. This is up $3,598. Again, this has a $2,500 exit loss trigger. It does not have a profit target. There are advantages and disadvantages to putting on a profit target depending on the situation. Um, I would like this to have a profit target right now because I do not really want to hang in this for where I think the market's going to do, but we'll see how that goes because we're following the guidelines. But this is, uh, this is doing fairly well. And then we have our, uh, there were no adjustments for the week. This has an adjustment inside the 10 of minus 25 Delta. So we're not there yet. If we exceed the tent level, it's minus 15. So if that happens, then we would be uh, adjusting that there. And then we have uh, this trade here, which is drawn down $621. Okay. So that is, uh, that's our positions. And um, okay, so let me, I'm uh, just going to address any questions that we have now that have come in. Uh, so Jed says, thank you for the open house. Your presentation was creative as ever. Happy and prosperous new year. Yes, happy new year to you guys. Prosperous new year as well. Steve is just asking a question here. If a person is overlapping a trade, a number of these most seem positive delta. So big down move with increased IV would be very painful. Do you carry hedges at the account level for this purpose? I'm thinking black swan hedge stuff. Russia uses a nuke, COVID, or something else causes widespread panic. Yeah, so let me just address that a little bit. Uh, if you're trading responsibly with options, uh, a down move could be painful, but I would not recommend. I do not hedge my positions. I just, I won't do it. it I, I've done so many experiments with hedges and so forth and what they cost you and risks with um, you know price movement with implied volatility movement whether they're going to be effective to have an effective hedge in the marketplace consistently on positions that are long delta it's going to cost you the total amount of your account in profits in i think two years on average depending on how you do that there are quote unquote creative ways to put hedges on, but for the most part, they are not reliable and they won't necessarily do what you think they're going to do. And a lot of times they don't actually hedge the position at all. They just don't make any money with the down move. Or if they do make money with the down move, um, there's also a risk that they may lose money with the down move. In other words, you're not in a reliable thing. To create a reliable downside hedge, in my opinion, is going to cost you the total value of your at least your planned capital of whatever trade you're doing in that time frame, meaning that if nothing happens for two years, I'm better off taking the and 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 the third year. Well, we'll put it this way: it means that um, first of all, that said, I've always traded this way, and I've never had a problem 
through COVID, through 9-11, through uh, the flash crashes. I've lost money, yes, on trades during some of those events, but I've never been in a situation where any of those has, has put me in a situation. Remember, we're in, we're in indexes. We have limit downs. The market can only go down so much, right? But it, I've never been in a situation where that's been a even remotely close to a problem for my long-term profitability in the strategy. It's been pain. I've had painful events, yes, but it's it's never been uh, where I even through all the stuff that we've had where it's even remotely been an issue. You know, have I exceeded maximum loss on some strategies? Yes. Have I taken a total loss on a trade? No. But even if I did, it still wouldn't have been an issue, right? So, in other words, it the chances of it happening are of it happening are rare. The chances of it being a problem of the extent that you believe it will be in your brain is extremely rare. And if you're constantly hedging for it, you're losing a, a ton of money in doing so, a ton of money in profits in doing so. To me, it's a complete waste of time even to bother with it. You know, I say trade, re trade a responsible size, go for your big profits. Like the way we trade in the pro membership, I mean, what, trade for trade plan capital, we made 800 and something percent last year. Uh, on the examples that we did. I'm not worried about even remotely concerned about one of these black swan events. Yeah, it's going to suck. But I mean, that's just part of trading, right? So in, in being fearful for that, you're almost setting yourself up for a problem and you're missing out on a ton of money. So that, that's just my philosophy behind trading. I mean, if you have a different belief, you know, we, we're all traders, we all have our own belief systems. And if you have a different belief, then, then have at it, you know, do whatever the heck you think is responsible for you. But for me, I, I just don't, I simply don't see the point in doing it. It's, it's a waste of mental energy and it's just simply not necessary. So if you're trading, if you're trading properly, you're trading responsibly at, at the levels we're doing, it's just simply not necessary. Okay. So that's just, that's, that's my opinion. And again, other people have um, different opinions a message from MMDD here, uh, maybe a hedge in the direction of a trend. I mean, again, you can do that and, and there's a gazillion different things you can do and there's a thousand different ways to do it. They all have their benefits. They all have their drawbacks. In my opinion, they're either not reliable as a hedge, they may lose money as a hedge, or you know, if you, if you start doing some of this exotic stuff, um, or if you happen to be lucky, then, then that's fine. You can have them on there. Believe me, I know what's out there. To me, it's it's not worth the brain power. I'd rather focus on making money than 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 all this other stuff. I mean, the other all the other stuff is doing is just trying to is soothe your ego. It's basically you have a if it's that much of a concern for you, you're either not trading responsibly or you haven't you have an ego problem that's not allowing that's not allowing you to trade well. So I mean, that's just again my opinions. You're just never going to be great that way. You know, you you might be able to match the index that way, but you're just not going to be great. You're not going to be a great trader that way. And then Steve says, uh, "Great, thanks. I've left some teenies on when I've closed a butterfly early." Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's fine, right? So you know, teenies just being you know small put contracts. And again, you know, I don't have a problem if I have a bullish vertical on and there's no credit left in that thing. Just leaving it open for the remainder of the trade, and you can use that to hedge off some of your other positions. And if you happen to be positioned well, I mean, we've seen this happen. I think um, we have these guys that do these exotic hedges, and the exotic hedges worked really well. By exotic hedges, you know, I don't even want, I don't want to start putting out names, but using a variety of calls and puts in various areas and and you know, um, or whatever, putting these hedges on, and the hedges in themselves. Are vulnerable at certain times. In other words, the hedges may lose a lot of money if the if the move isn't timed right. So they may or may not be reliable. At some point, if things go normally, you can have a free hedge on your position. Wonderful. And if you end up for whatever reason in your trading and you happen to you know be be there with some extra puts or an extra vertical or whatever, and you can leave that on and it acts as a hedge of another position. I think that's wonderful. I mean, if, and if, if you want to do that, that's fine, right? Just watch how much money it's costing you when you're doing it. If it's costing you, ends up costing you a lot of money, then, then that's fine. But uh, again, as far as doing something on a regular basis, that's just not me. I would just, like I said, responsible size for this type of thing and let it go. So anyway, that's my, that's my opinion. Uh, again, if you have another opinion and you have to trade flat, 
um, if you, um, and you have to be hedged all the time. Um, again, I think that's a, 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 that's a problem where you're either probably oversized in your trading, or it's a problem where you have some sort of a, a, a mental block that is going to be problematic for you in performing well in the marketplace. But again, that, that goes back to my opinion, but any way you want to trade, as long as it works for you and you're profitable and, and you're okay with it, then, then, then you go for it. Okay. MM agrees with me. He says, agree, responsible size is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, I would prefer to trade responsible. One of the things about trading psychology, and I'll leave you with this and I'll go, but one of the things about trading psychology is if you go into fear mode, where you are uh, like afraid to lose money. If, if that's your, your, your mode, your general psychological mode with trading, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to make money. It's going to be extremely difficult if that's the thing is, is I can't lose, right? That's going to create a performance problem. And, you know, I'm, I deal with traders that make hundreds and thousands of percent in a year on either plan capital or an account level. So you're just, you're not going to make money like that, or even 50% a year on a, on a regular basis. You might happen to hit it one year or whatever, but you're not going to do like 50% or, or, or substantially outperform the market on average basis over time. If that is your mindset, you're just not going to, you're almost better off just to stick the money in the SPX, you know, the SPY or something and, and let it ride out. You'll probably perform better if that's your general attitude. If you really want to make money in the marketplace, you kind of have to let go of that and you have to take on this willingness to lose willingness to lose your positions and you know make sure you're responsible size you don't want to just randomly do it and then take all your money and hope you don't lose i mean that would be irresponsible also right so we want to make sure we have a nice balance of that but you have to be responsible sized be willing to lose and then plan where you put your risk in your positions that's the trader that's going to be making like good money in trading, the traders, the people who are going to be like be able to retire as a trader. I mean, unless you have an insane amount of money and you can just happen to live off, you know, five percent return. Um, you know, if you're if you don't have an, an insane amount of money, you take a small amount of risk. So you don't have to you don't have to worry about that black swan that doesn't that doesn't really enter your mindset, right? So you're dealing with money you're willing to take a loss on if it goes wrong. The black swan event doesn't enter your mindset anymore. It allows you to trade from a perspective or from a mindset of trying to make money, not being afraid of losing money. And that makes a huge, huge difference in the way you see the marketplace. Because you know, remember, your emotions bias everything you see. They filter out things, right? So if you're coming at the market from an afraid mindset, you're looking for evidence that the market's going to have this black swan event and you're going to lose all your money. And when you start looking for that evidence, it takes away opportunity and make money. You know, not, not even talking about the way you're positioned, but just your mindset doesn't allow you to make money because you just don't see it. Right. And it goes the other way too. Like if you're super greedy and you don't even consider a loss, you know, then you, you go in blind to your risk and that creates another problem. So there's, there, there's, there's certainly a balance there, but the mindset of opportunity, making money and being willing to lose what you're, what you're going to lose and understanding how you're positioned is the magic formula that's going to make you very profitable in the marketplace. And that's where I suggest that you strive to go towards. Okay. We all started at a certain spot and, and I've been through pretty much everything you've been through. I pretty much guarantee you, but, um, but that's the kind of perspectives that you want to hit. Okay. So hopefully that helps everybody. And I'm going to close this up. Have a great week. Trade well. And thank you for attending our open host members. I hope you consider membership. It's going to be open probably tomorrow or the following day. And hope to see you soon in the future. Trade well, everybody.